Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company again as we explore this series that we have begun a a while ago about a holiness movement. And the premise of this entire series is very simple, that holiness is the brand of Christianity that Christ lived and died and rose again and gave us the Holy Spirit. So we could live that out in the world. From Genesis to Revelation, God repeatedly invites his followers to be holy just as he is holy. And the way in which we adopt our identity based on the nature that he's given us, resembling his family uh, traits, and then we express that nature. We are called to express that nature in our day-to-day Endeavor. So holiness is both our identity, our nature, as well as our calling to live out Christ-like life, who's the image of the Holy God embodied before us in such a way that we can follow His example and live our full humanity, our full potentiality as God's holy people. And we've been looking at some factors that will enable us to live out that incredible ideal, that ideal of living out a Christ-like life. And today we focus on factor number four, the cleansing of the Word, the cleansing of God's Word. We want to explore together what the Word of God says about its impact over the believer, over God's people. And, uh, and Jesus from the very start told us that sanctify them by your word. He said, sanctify them by your word, by your truth. Your word is truth. And again, in, in, in John chapter 15, he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is for my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus knew that the Word of God totally transforms our lives. It totally transforms our life. It sanctifies us by the Word as we, uh, as we take it seriously. However, many of us would uh, notice the, by our own observation, if our, our own lives or the lives of people around us, that there is something that prohibits Christians from taking the Word of God seriously. I don't know what it is, but in my own ministry experiences, I found the hardest thing to get people to do is spend time with God daily. It's like I am extracting teeth. I don't know why. If I invite people to participate on a worship team, guess what? They are so excited. They celebrate the invitation. If I invite people to participate in some ministry activity, they feel privileged that they have been thought of and and believed in. 
If we invite people to be on some sort of a leadership uh, committee, my goodness, thank you for your trust. They are willing to give it their best shot. In fact, I've noticed in, in one particular group, ministry group that I had, uh, that they were willing to put so much energy and time in their ministry activities. But when I asked, there were a group of six or seven of them, when I asked, do you guys spend time with the Lord daily uh, reading His Word for the purpose of application, not for the purpose of sharing a message or leading a group or whatever it might be? They said, to be honest, Peter, we don't have time. I was like, if you don't have time to spend in God's Word, you really don't have time. I recall another experience where I was with a group of um, uh, connect groups or small group uh, leaders where I was uh, proposing to them that they begin their meeting by asking individuals to share anything that they've read in God's Word, but to share it in terms of application, not teaching. You know, I read this scripture. This is what I felt God was telling me uh, through that Word. And this is how I want to apply it. Would you please pray for me so I can live in accordance to God's desires and will and standard? And one guy stood up, and I kid you not, he was much older than me, but he gave me a dress down in front of everybody stood up and literally told me, who am I to suggest that they read the word and share it? They just love praying. The Word of God is critical for our growth. It's critical for our development. It's critical for a Christ-likeness. The Word of God incarnate, Jesus, can only be lived out when we allow the written Word of God to live and take control of our lives. But we have a shortage of emphasis on admiring the Word of God and, and reading the Word of God and living the Word of God in our different contexts. Some people just simply read the Word of God as a newspaper. You know, they get some of the information. Yeah, that's in exciting. Oh yeah, that's informative. Yeah, now I know that. Others, uh, other Christians focus on it like a teaching text. They get, you know, the difference between this and that. I want to figure out that Greek word. I, I want to, you know, share this. But like they, they're more the, the, um, theoretical scholars rather than people who read it so they can apply what God shares with them. But others of us don't simply don't read it. And that's why there have been many research, uh, particularly in the USA, where they speak of the, the illiteracy, the biblical illiteracy that is swooping through the Christians. Some of the, of the research data tells us that in America, uh, around 90% of people uh, or 88% of, of, of people say they own at least one copy of the, uh, the Bible in their homes. To contrast that, not many people are reading the Word. Uh, as, a, as a result of that, we have a problem with our biblical worldview. We have less than 20% of, of Christians considering themselves born-again Christians that adhere to the simplest biblical framework that, was, uh, th th that they were questioned, surveyed to reveal. Only 19%. Have, have an understanding of the simplest of the biblical worldview. Uh, we, we realize that almost 50% of uh, Christians cannot name the Gospels. 
Can you believe that? Uh, I, I read a, a statistics about a group of um, graduate um, uh, senior high school kids in America who some of them suggested uh, when asked that Billy Graham is the author of the Sermon on the Mount. Fancy that. He's good, but I don't think he's that good. And, and 50% suggested that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. The reality is we have a biblical illiteracy in our midst. And, and in my view, that's impacting the way we live our lives today. But the Word of God has incredible impact over our own life. I want to share with you three roles of the Word of God. And then I want to share with you three adequate responses that people who love Jesus should adopt in order to grow and develop and be everything that God desires to be, to live out our Christ-like nature in the world. The first thing is the Word is a mirror. Look at what James chapter 1, 22-25 says. It says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The first thing we need to know that the Word of God is our mirror. First, it shows us our identity in Christ. It shows us our nature, our potentiality. And once we see that, we begin to live that out. We begin to practice what the Word says about what the Spirit is placed in our hearts. So we begin by realizing who we are. And as a result of that, we live in accordance or in consistent adherence to what God made us to be. The Word is a mirror. Without it, you don't know who you are in Christ. The second thing, the Word is a shower. You know, look at what, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 27. He says, Husbands, love your wives. And I don't mean here that they must have showers. I, I just, I'm, I'm reading what Paul is saying. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And how does he do that? By cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. Have you noticed the analogy that is Paul is making here between husband and wife and Christ and us as his church? He cleanses us by the washing with water through the word. Why? To present us holy and blameless. There is a, 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 a huge um, correlation between us abiding and immersing ourselves in the word, allowing the word to cleanse our thoughts, to cleanse our motives, to direct our actions so that we could live out 
the standards, the principles, the desires, the heart of God that's expressed, self-revealed in His Word. Thirdly, the Word is a personal trainer. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Guess what? The Word of God trains us. It teaches us what we need to do. It rebukes us when we're not living according to our full potential in Christ. It corrects our path so that we could come back on track. And it trains us, it tutors us, it coaches us so we could live that Christ-like, righteous, holy, cleansed life style and therefore be ready to do everything that God designed us to do. So the Word of God is a mirror that reveals our identity. The Word of God is a shower that cleanses us from our mess. The Word of God is a trainer, personal trainer that coaches us into living in actuality what the Word is revealed about our potentiality in Christ. So what is our proper response to the Word of God? Uh, the proper response to the Word of God can be categorized briefly and summarized into three things. Number one, we need to adore the Word. We need to absorb the Word and need to apply the word. If I was to take uh, uh, scriptures from Deuteronomy all the way to the epistles speaking, and, and even after that in the book of Revelation, speaking about our attitude to the word of God, you will recognize over and over and over again that we should have high esteem for the word, that we need to eat it. Jeremiah tells us to eat it like food. Your word was found and I ate it. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart because I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You see, we need to take it in. Uh, in. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says to read it repeatedly, to teach it to our children, to have it all around us. But it then throughout, even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that we need to apply the word. A foolish person hears the word of God and does nothing with it. But a person that builds their house on a rock is a person that hears the word and adheres to the word. Everywhere, everywhere, we're encouraged to have those three biblical attitudes toward, towards the word of God. I want to show you that from just one single spot. And it's actually the longest chapter in the entire scripture is known as Psalm 119. Psalm 119 speaks potentially uh, the writer may have been a priest uh, post-exile and he was writing, he's actually written this psalm, not necessarily to be sung as much as it probably to be read. Uh, it's an uh, acrostic that has the alphabet or, or, or you know, the Hebrew alphabet for every section and every section starts with that letter. It's beautiful in its structure and it focuses on devotion to the Word of God and as a result, a life of godliness that is associated with being immersed in the Word of God. Two cannot be separated from each other. And as obviously, 
obviously it's the longest chapter. It's got uh, you know so many verses that we can never address today. I've just picked uh, some of the repeated themes that reflect those three attitudes that we as followers of Jesus who want to live His life on earth, want the incarnate Word of God to live His life through us as we allow the Word of God to be uh, dwell in us richly and to reflect His character. So allow me to take just simple passages to prove those three points and to encourage you to adore the Word, absorb the Word, and apply the Word. The first one comes from uh, Psalm 119 uh, verses 103 to 105 and says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamb for my feet, a light on my path. The first thing that we see is the word of God is sweet. The self-revelation of God, the precepts of God, the decrees of God, the command, they all speak of God's self-revelation through His written word, uh, inspired word. And He says that it's sweet. It's like honey, you know, when, when they're saying about uh, the promised land, when they're trying to describe how awesome the land, they said it's a line, it's, it's, um, it's a land of milk and honey. Like the, the sweetness of the honey rock describes the ultimate dream, so to speak. It's the promised land. The Word of God is the promised land. But, but look at what he says. He says, because he gains understanding, because he takes on the Word of God. Look at what he says. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. There is a, 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 an inverse relationship with loving the Word and hating wrong, hating evil, loving what God loves because His Word describes His nature, His character, what He loves and what He hates. And as we read and adore that Word, as we take it seriously, as it's beautiful and we value it, guess what? We live it out. Look again, in, and Psalm 19 is so similar to Psalm 119, you can't forget them. If you don't go to 119, go to Psalm 19 also speaks of the amazing thing to do with the word of God. It says, by them, your servant is warned and keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Can you see the link? Those two huge beautiful descriptions and, and adoration of, 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 of the Word of God described in Psalm 119 and 19 associate that the indwelling in the Word of God, adoring the Word of God and a life that is well lived as a result. Again, in Psalm 19, it says the law of the Lord or the statutes of the Lord or the precepts of the Lord or the commands of the Lord, they all the same. They all speak of the one thing, the Word of God. He says they are refreshing to the soul. They make simple people wise. Don't you like that? I love that. Like instead of saying, you know, making you know wise those who are stupid, it's saying simple. It's a really nice thing. It's like we're, we, we can be made wise because of the Word of God, regardless of who we are in ourselves. It gives us joy. It's joy to the heart, deep, 
saturating joy that oozes out of us and that joy gives us strength. It gives light to the eyes and as we've read, eyes to, um, it gives us light to our path. If we recognize the value of the Word, if we recognize the incredible impact the Word of God has to bless us beyond measure. It's a great reward to adopt it, to adore it, to embrace it, to value it. Say, this is so good. What have I got to do without the Word of God? It is a joy to adore the Word of God. The second thing that we're invited to do is absorb the word. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 verses 9 to 16 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I meditate on your precepts and consider your words. Have you seen how many words he speaks about hiding the word of God on the inside? How do you hide the word of God? You take it in, you memorize it, you keep it in, you allow it to dwell in you richly. You keep reading it, meditating on it, taking bits and pieces of it and keeping, you know, uh, keeping it into your memory and, and regurgitating it so that it impacts the way you view things. It's like you're absorbing it. You're taking it in. Like Jesus said that the word is like bread. You can't live without it. You take it in. You allow God to teach you that. You recount it. That means you interact with it and, and, and say it over and over again. You're not just reading it like a newspaper thing. Again, in Psalm 119 verses 97 uh, and the whole section, really to 100 says oh how I love your law I meditate on it all day long it freaks me out when people say that when you uh, when you suggest to them to read the word of God daily for 10 minutes or so they say that's legalistic you know, that you, you, you can't say that I have to read it every day. I could read it once a week. I could listen to it on, on, on some preaching gig or whatever. It says, I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. I have more inside than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. Have you seen how many times it says that he meditates? Uh, the word meditate uh, could mean that you read slowly and, and, and repeat it repeatedly until it sinks into your life and almost like you regurgitate on it. You are focusing on it so that you can get an understanding of what it says. It's not a speedy read. Um, in fact, uh, some, uh, some commentator would say it's like the, the simplest pronunciation of a word. That's how, you know, how a child, when they're trying to learn uh, 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 how, I love, you know, they're trying to focus on every letter so they can pronounce it right when they're starting to learn reading. Well, that's what we need to do with the Word of God. Just focus on every word and repeatedly try to get, uh, to allow it to come into us and to form our standards, to form our views. It's like, People say, well, why is this wrong? Or why is this not helpful? Or why is this not beneficial? Well, let the Word of God determine your standards. And you wouldn't need to negotiate with sin and, and come as far as possible close to sin without you know, getting the consequences associated with it. Let the Word of God uh, impact the way you view life and your system. Then apply 
the word. Look in Psalm 119 from verse 9. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Like how can somebody live a holy life? It says, by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Can you see the connection between the word of God and being sanctified, being able to live out the image that God created us to bear, to reflect the character traits of Christ? How do we do that? He was oozing with the word. And we need to ooze with the word and apply it in every situation. Again, in verses 33 to 37, uh, the psalmist says, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find Delight. You see, friends, applying God's word is not a, a, a difficulty that we try to, uh, you know, obligate people to do. He say, I find my delight in living according to your commands, according to your self-revealed intentions and principles and heart. Again, in 119 verses 165, it says, great peace. Have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, Lord, and I follow your commands. I obey your statutes. Why? For I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes for all my ways are known to you. Isn't that incredible? The psalmist gives us an example to aspire Four, he's telling us that as we apply God's word, as we obey God's word, uh, as the result of that, we're going to live in such a way that blesses God and enriches us. It's not, it's not a difficulty, especially when we're encouraged by the enabling spirit on the inside of us to live God's way. To live God's standards, to live God's principle, it's actually a joy. It gives us peace. Peace that is internal tranquility is not peace of circumstances, but satisfaction on the inside. Isn't that a beautiful invitation to live out, to obey the word? Some people say, Peter, you know, this whole thing about obedience, uh, you know, there is a difference between a relationship and rules, between obedience and grace, between, uh, you know, God's, uh, uh, God's intention for us uh, as revealed in the word and his love for us to, you know, to, to look after us just the way we are. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's contradictory. Both sets are true. God loves us the way we are, but like it's been well said, He doesn't want to leave us that way. He wants us to live a life that reflects His character. You see, obedience and love are in the same in the same intertwined reality. You know, if we love Him, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And again, He says, uh, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Guess what Jesus is saying? He's saying obedience and love go hand in hand. 
You know, we are called to live a life that reflects Jesus and that God has given us His Word so that we, to enable us to live that way. Believers can pursue a life of holiness as they allow the Word to rule their lives. The Word cleanses us as we adore it, absorb it, and apply it. How about you? What is your relationship with God's Word? I don't want to uh, say that you go and do a theological degree and be a scholar, an armchair expert. What we're inviting you is to spend time with God daily in a, in, in a, in a matter of, of personal intimacy, five to ten verses, and read it repeatedly. Allow it to wash over you and ask God to help you observe what He's commanding you to do out of His fatherly, beautiful heart and ask His Spirit to enable you to live that out. And then uh, every time you have a, an opportune uh, experience where you have to make decisions or you have to take one way over the other or you are exploring options, go back to the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God says about that? Because if I follow the principles that is revealed to God in His Word, I am aligning myself to His nature. I'm, I'm allowing myself to live out His character that is revealed in His Word. And the more the Word of God dwells richly in me and I obey it, I more and more resemble the Word of God incarnate, the person of Christ Himself. You are invited to live the life of holiness that depends on the factor, or the sanctification that comes from adoring the Word of God, absorbing the Word of God, and applying the Word of God. Go for it. Be a man of God's Word. That's our prayer for you. Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to being with you in our next episode as we look at another factor towards holiness. Until then, be utterly blessed in Jesus. 